Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. We are your co-hosts. And today we are so excited to welcome Irene Caso, Irene Caso, to the podcast. Irene, welcome. Hello. So you're here. Perfect pronunciation. <laughs> I'm impressed already. We've practiced a lot. <laughs> So Irene works now as a church spokesperson based at church headquarters in Salt Lake City. She was born and raised in Madrid, Spain, and has a background in TV and radio broadcasting. And our listeners might recognize Irene from her I'm a Mormon ad from about 10 years ago. Which, if you haven't seen, go look it up. (laughs) It's really great. Yep. But then she's also done some recent work emceeing church events such as Roots Tech or Luz de las Naciones, which is the annual Latino cultural event. And I have to disclose, Irene and I worked closely together for several years. So she is a dear friend of mine Mm -hmm. and just a wonderful person. She lights up a room with her energy (laughs) and personality. And she really is, and I say this truly, one of the most dedicated people in serving and helping other people, especially your family. So oh, you're so nice. I think we can finish there with that wonderful <laughs> intro. Well, thank you so much. This is so exciting and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk to you and to see you, Carly, even though, you know, we're six feet apart at least. Yes. But yes. yeah, thank you again. I'm excited to chat with you. So we're excited to be able to learn more about your experiences and share those with our listeners. So we'll just jump right in. Yes, Irene, your parents were early converts to the church in Madrid, Mm -hmm. and we've heard you share their story, and their faith and courage is truly inspiring, and we would just love to know more about what brought them to the gospel, Mm -hmm. and how did their choices influence your life? Yeah, so I love to share the story of my parents, because I know, especially living here in Utah, we talk a lot about pioneers, and I am the daughter of pioneers, yes. not the same pioneers that everybody will think about here in Utah. But yeah, they're pioneers of the church Absolutely. in Spain. Mm-hmm. Before I tell you how they joined the church, I think you need to understand where were they in their lives. They were a young couple, very Catholic. You know, that's mm-hmm. what you are, you know. Traditionally so. Yep. And they had two babies. They have one baby boy. He was two and a half years old. And then my sister, older sister, Elisa, she was a newborn. And then one day at home, there was a tragic accident and and they lost the older son. Juan Carlos was his name. It was very unexpected. It was in one of those freak accidents at home. Needless to say that that was life changing for my parents. Mm -hmm. And the months after that, they were trying to look for closure. They wanted to know, especially my mom, they wanted to know where her baby boy was. Mm -hmm. And they went to talk to their leadership at the local congregation and they were not given clear answers because, Mm -hmm. again, they didn't have them or they couldn't explain Exactly. So that was something that was in the back of their minds. And then they move on. They had another daughter, my older sister, Amaya. One day, and this is how they met the missionaries. Well, it's important to say that the church in Spain is pretty new. At that time, yeah. I think it's 1969 is when was finally, there was a religious laws uh, that were passed that Mm -hmm. allow the church to be recognized as such, as a legal religious organization. That's when my mom started seeing, I guess there was a couple of missionaries that live in the same area, and she will see them at the supermarket, and they were 
pretty easy to spot, you know. Yeah. Very <laughs> tall, uh-huh. thin, blonde, looking almost like twins. She was convinced that they were twins, and they weren't. <laughs> but, you know, they look alike, they uh-huh. dress alike, they had the name tags, but she had no idea who they were. And there was one night that my mom was bathing my sisters, and there was a knock on the door. And my dad opened the door, and it was a missionaries. And in very poor Spanish, as my mom puts it, <laughs> they said something about, we want to share a message about Jesus Christ. And my dad, being the good soldier he is, he will not do anything without consulting with my mom. <laughs> so he went and he said, Isabel, there's, there's two young men that want to talk about Jesus Christ. What do you want to do? And my mom felt with Jesus Christ, you know, but we love it. Mm-hmm. Just let <laughs> yeah. them in. Yeah. So they came in and it happened right there at the moment. They were introduced to the church and something, and we know what that something is, touched my parents' heart enough that they made a second appointment for the next day. Missionaries were thrilled. They went home. And the next day when the missionaries came, they could hear through the door that there was a lot of noise at my (laughs) parents' house. There was music and there's a lot of voices. So they were like, oh, this family forgot that they had an appointment with us. They're having like a party or something. (laughs) But they still knock. My mom opened the door and they were like, oh, you're finally here. Welcome. Come on in. And they were like, no, no, no. There's a lot of people. You guys are having a party. We don't want to interrupt. We'll come back. And my mom said, no, they're here for you. Oh, wow. We have told all our friends. All of our friends. That's amazing. How exciting this is and your message. So we're here to all listen to you. I can only imagine, and I've been a missionary. I can only imagine those poor two missionaries <laughs> at that moment. But of course, they went ahead. It was that time where they were doing film strips, you know, boop. And then you will go, <laughs> you guys don't remember. You're too young. And I don't either, of course. I've only been tall. But anyway, so they did play one of those movies. And it was the visit of Christ to the Americas. They turned off the lights. It was not very long. But after it was all over, they turned back on the lights. And my parents were in tears. They felt the spirit so strong for them. Of course, he visited these other people. It was Mm -hmm. a testimony-building moment, but they look around, and then there was laughter. People started debating in a heated Mm -hmm. way with the missionaries. So for me, that's a lesson of how the Lord prepares people to receive Mm -hmm. His message and His gospel at the right time. At the right time. My parents were ready. ready. And nobody else joined or they wanted to hear more. They're still dear friends with my parents. But that's how they were introduced to the church. And not long after, they got baptized. My dad was one of the four bishops in Spain called to serve as a bishop after the first stake was formed in Madrid. And after that, a whole life of service to the church Especially, you know, in Spain, being the church so small, like my dad has been a bishop like three or four times <laughs> and he's serving the stake like twice. My mom has been president of each organization several times. Several times. Uh, I think I was president of young women when I was at young women. I don't know, something. <laughs> That's what happens. You know, which I remember growing up thinking, ah, oh, we have to work so much because there's not that much people. And now I see it as what a blessing, you know, seeing my parents. Going back to your question, you know, what have I learned from them service, a life devoted to serve the church, to serve church members, to grow a testimony to the point that, I mean, they're my role. They still are. They just came back from a mission Mm -hmm. in the Tijuana, Mexico temple. They came back last year. And again, huge examples in my life. And I still pinch me that I had the opportunity, which is a rare one, to be raised in the church in a country like in Spain, where the church is so new. Mm -hmm. I sometimes think about it and I'm like, that's so amazing that I got to be raised in this faith that I adore so much. 
Oh, thank you so much for sharing. And oh, you're welcome. As you describe that, such a blessing and such an opportunity, but so unique to be growing up in Madrid. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sure most people had no idea what it was that you were practicing or believing. So tell us what yeah. that was like for you as a kid and as a teenager. I will describe it as a blessing now looking back, but it was very <laughs> challenging and yeah. it was hard. And I was always the only uh, member of the church at my elementary, at my high school, at college, mm-hmm. at my other activities. And I spent a lot of my youth and younger years defending my faith and uh, explaining people why my dad only had a wife, one, mm-hmm. not several, as they, mm-hmm. everybody thought, <laughs> and why this was not an American religion. So I remember being very frustrated growing up and thinking, you know, this is so unfair. It would be just so much easier to go with the flow and mm-hmm. and say, yes, you know, I'm Catholic or yeah, <laughs> you know, or not having to explain myself every yes. time. But I think it's because of that, having to do that constantly that my testimony grew and grew and grew stronger. Oh, and was so defined. Because it was a daily battle. Again, we will go at the end of the year in Spain when you finish high school and then when you finish college, you can opt and go on a big trip with your whole class and and everything. And as you can imagine, I was always the designated driver. Mm -hmm. Now looking back, I think it was all those opportunities. They were priceless. I'm grateful I had them because, again, my testimony is where it is today thanks to the challenges that I have growing up in a country where I was a different girl, you mm-hmm. know, my faith was different than what other people were professing. And and again, I see it as both. It was a challenge mm-hmm. and a blessing. Yeah. Both parts. Well, and it's so inspiring because it easily could have gone the other way. Like you said, it would have been so easy to go with the flow and to just get mm-hmm. discouraged by what you said was a daily battle. Yeah. I love that you said that that you had these unique opportunities because mm-hmm. it was just you. You were relying on just yourself and mm-hmm. your family and exactly. Heavenly Father. And I think that that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it came in many ways. I remember I graduated from journalism. And then after I finished, it was about the same time where I wanted to go on a mission. And I remember talking to one of my professors and telling him, because he asked me, what are you going to do now? You're going to graduate are you going to choose TV, print? And I told him, you know, actually, I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to go on a mission. And I remember his face saying, that is crazy. The worst idea. That (laughs) is the worst idea. You'll never be able to pick it up where you left. There's a short window after graduating where you gain that experience that will open future doors. You miss that window. You might as well not have studied this, this profession. And I remember going home thinking, is, is he right? Is this a career move that I'm going to regret? And looking back, I've had the same or more opportunities after my mission. I did exactly professionally. And when it comes to broadcasting, what I dream about doing, reporting, anchoring, news directing, I'm not missing anything. I didn't miss anything. If anything, I think it opened doors for me. Mm -hmm. And I think you sharing your story looking back, I think can be such a strength to people because... There are members all over the world and even in the United States that might feel kind of alone and feel like they're standing out and like it's so, so hard in the Mm -hmm. moment and they're missing out on opportunities. And I like hearing you say that from your vantage point now that it was all worth it and it's helped you become who you are today. And I think that can be an encouraging message to young people and to parents who are struggling watching their kids in those Mm -hmm. positions. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you. Well, we would love to know more about your professional background and then how it led to your current job now, which Mm -hmm. in 2017, you were hired by the church as a spokesperson. So 
we would just love to know how Heavenly Father guided you to where you are today, kind yeah. of along those same lines. Thank you. I love uh, talking about that because, again, I've seen His hand all throughout my life and especially my professional career and life. As I mentioned, I graduated from journalism in Spain and then I went on a mission. And in my mission, I met my trainer and I became, you know, more than sisters. I love her and best friends. We were going to live together and do all these things. So that happened after I finished my mission. I came to see her in Utah. I spent a summer here and I felt very strong, you know. Let's let's give it a try. Let's move to Utah. Let's see what happens. I enrolled at BYU to do an intensive English course in hopes to perfect my English, and it didn't work. Not for me, <laughs> as you can tell. But anyways, no it was for me like to come here, study, expand on my education, and then see where that led. When we were looking for a place to live, we found this basement in a house behind the Capitol that was for rent. We love the area, so close to downtown. And then we started living there, my trainer and I. And then later on, my sister, I convinced her to come and live with us as well. But I do not think it was a coincidence that upstairs, there was a guy, a dear friend, René, that he worked for Univision, a local TV station here. And then after we got to know each other, he was like, you, you should go talk to my boss and whatnot. And that was my first door. Uh, to start practicing uh, my career here. I got a job interview and I started, uh, like we all do, in especially broadcasting, very, very low. I started as an assignment desk editor and then I got an opportunity to become a reporter and I loved it. And then a bigger opportunity that came to move to Arkansas and be a part of a bigger news program. They will have a news hub in Arkansas, in Little Rock, but we will do local Spanish-speaking newscasts for six different states. And I was going to be the anchor. I was newlywed. I look at Michael. I say, are we going to Arkansas? What are we doing? <laughs> what are we? And Michael, he's the greatest. He's such a uh, wonderful. He said, when do we pack? Let's do it. Oh, and, and we spent two years in Arkansas. I thought they were very important years for us as a couple as well. Newlyweds, but we disconnected from family. So it was just us in this new place and me starting my career and the members in Arkansas. We made long life relationships and friendships that we cherish. Up. You know, that's what happens when you go places where the church is smaller. You know, the mm -hmm. members are like... They're your family. Like a yeah. family, mm -hmm. yeah. And then after that happened, we came back to Utah and I kept going in broadcasting, doing radio, doing TV for different stations. And then to that station, Univision where I spent the last years of my career. And uh, yeah, it was about four years ago when an opportunity came, a different one, a very different one. I was comfortable. I was, uh, you will say, the highest uh, place I could be in my broadcasting world with my language and my goals and whatnot. And this opportunity came to come and work for the church. And I need to tell you, I fought it. <laughs> I hope my boss is not listening now. <laughs> But I fought it hard. It was very intimidating to me to leave something that for me was so comfortable. Your that I world. had Yes. Mm -hmm. My language, uh, broadcasting in Spanish for 12 years, connecting with the Latino community. I'm a little like a control person. So I was in <laughs> control. I was very comfortable where I was. And you had a very clear path. Like you probably I felt did. like this is it. I'm yes. Here. I was a very, very comfortable. That's the word. Yeah. But then again, this opportunity came and, and it was a push to get me out of my comfort zone big time. 
And I remember I told the person that offered me the job, I need a couple of days. I mean, this is too much. It was also an opportunity that I was not necessarily looking for. And I remember going and praying and saying, like, I want a heavenly <laughs> father to tell me that. Never mind. I was just trying you. Stay the course. Yeah. But no, like the feeling kept coming. Like, this is where I need you now. And I was like, no, because me negotiating with the Lord, you know, that's the kind of person I am. I was like, no, because, you know, I'm doing so good. Also representing the church. I was always known as the, the Mormon inquiry, you yes, know, and, yes. uh, you know, I was not shy sharing my faith. I'm like, I think I'm reaching a lot of people this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I kept feeling, I need you somewhere else now. You've done what you needed to do there. So I did it. I said yes, and here we are today. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Four years later. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. It is really encouraging because I think a lot of people do have that experience when they have different opportunities or promptings that they question. And it's fine to question that and really consider, what does God want me to do and where can I do the most good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just amazing to think about and to watch all the ways that Heavenly Father prepared you for Mm -hmm. what you're doing now Mm -hmm. and truly how needed you are and what a blessing you are. Well, I I don't know about that. I I can tell you that that I'm doing my best. And if I look back at the day I said yes and how hard it was for me, I mean, I can still cry if I think about it, how hard it was to say goodbye to my little team yes, and to my daily routine. I think yeah. I mentioned it to you guys before we started the podcast. I anchored the news a Friday night and I started working women's conference the next Saturday. So there was no kind of like transition time, which I think now looking back was good because a lot of time, (laughs) a lot of time to think over it would have done no good for me. But yeah, it was the right thing to do. I mean, I cannot deny that. Uh, I'm still learning. It's a challenging position. It's a challenging job. It's rewarding most of the time. And it's very challenging. Again, I will say I would use that word all the time because that's how I describe it. It's, Mm -hmm. It's very challenging and it's helping me grow not only professionally, but personally, and in so many ways that I have never even envisioned. As you've described, the job is very varied. And I've observed mm-hmm. this working with you from one day to the next, you're doing yeah. completely different things. And the highest highs, and I think the <laughs> lowest lows, like you said, some really challenging days. So we would love for you to share from the past few years, mm-hmm. some of your favorite moments and memories mm-hmm. on the job and what helps you continue on those days when it's hard. And you're yeah. like, why am I here? Why am I not back at the yeah. news desk? I think it's a job that is way more than I imagined that it was going to be. I imagine as a church spokesperson and working in the media division, I was going to be, you know, working with media on stories, but then there's been so many other doors and opportunities that have opened that really I do have a lot of pinch me moments in this job. I will say that another wonderful opportunity that has come with this job and that I don't think it was on the job description when I say yes is because of my background in broadcasting, in journalism or whatnot. I've had opportunities to MC, as you mentioned, Carly, and host different events. And I think one of the highlights of these last three, four years working for the church is to have been able to participate in that Latino cultural event known as Luz de las Naciones or Light of the Nations 
But it's another testimony building experiences for me. It's a cast of more than a thousand people donating. All volunteers. Their time, their talents, people that have, again, many hats on the air. They, they work hard in the community. They work hard in their professional lives. They have their families. And for the months previous to the event, they donate hours and hours mm -hmm. and hours, sometimes even traveling from far away just to practice with the choir or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that's a little program that started many, many years ago in a little Spanish-speaking congregation in Salt Lake as a cultural event and has grown now to be the Latino cultural event for the church that happens on a yearly basis. This year, because of COVID, had a different format, but we were able to reach out a lot of people, thousands of people, because mm -hmm. they held it virtually and whatnot. I don't know what's to come, but that's, I will say, another one of my pinch-me moments when mm -hmm. I'm in the conference center. Mm -hmm. We fill the conference center with people, members of the faith and members. Not all of them are members, but they come to feel that feeling of belonging to mm -hmm. this, you yeah. know, culture and it's music and dancing. And then there's also a very spiritual part and gospel center. And anyways, another one of those pinch-me moments. Those are the moments that I go back to quite often when I'm not mm -hmm. dealing with other type of situations. I go back to my pinch me moments. And write those down and remember yeah. them, right? <laughs> and they, I cherish those because, again, they're amazing. Not only I do that, you know, as a spokesperson and, you know, work with media and have so many opportunities, but especially we're right now with the pandemic, things have changed a little. But in the last couple of years, we were also given opportunities to travel with the brethren and even with the prophet to these ministering trips and tours that they were mm -hmm. taking to visit members all over the world. That, for me, it's one of those pinch me moments. Mm -hmm. When I saw myself, for example, in Hawaii with President Nelson, and I was there and I was hearing him and I was seeing him minister and talk to this congregation. And then it was like I was looking at me from, mm -hmm. you know, how, how, I'm like, how are you here? <laughs> like, what happened? Irene, this girl from Spain, Irene, how lucky I am to do that. The latest opportunity that I had was to travel to Central America with Elder Soares. And it was exactly a year ago. That was the last time I got on a plane, you guys. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought? Right? Who would have we thought never could have imagined. what was coming? But we had the opportunity to go with him to Guatemala, El Salvador, and Costa Rica. Very quick trip. And that's the sad part about these trips. They're always so fast. I wish, you know, we could stay in each place a little bit longer. And I know our leadership wishes they could do the same. But you try to pack a lot of things in a short window of time. But it was amazing. It was just so rewarding for me because as part of these visits that they do to these areas of the world, they also interact with media outlets that might want to talk to them. And that's when I come into place. They interact with religious leaders and community leaders in that place of the world. World. So it was for me very eye-opening to see, and again, Elder Suarez is the most recent experience I had, but to see him ministering in action. For me, I think, I mean, I understand what ministering is and I do my best. <laughs> you better believe I try. <laughs> but seeing him interacting with these people, these families, we have a very tight schedule, as I mentioned. So I remember thinking, okay, we have now a media interview. Yeah, I'm like, where's Elder along. Suarez? He was talking to single adults and listening to them and caring for them. And what an opportunity for me to witness that. Mm -hmm. So those are like moments. They have a special place in my heart. Besides going there for work, I, uh, as a member of the church, seeing what ministering is in action, I mean, priceless. I don't take it for granted. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing. No, that's well, and I also am curious just 
hearing about the traveling that you've done, the career that you built, you know, mm-hmm. and those changes that you've had. You also have two children. I so do. I am wondering. <laughs> and a dog. Probably, and a little oh, and puppy. A puppy. <laughs> oh, my. Don't get me. Don't get me started. That was one of the COVID, you know, consequences in our house. We decided it was the right time to get a puppy. And uh, there's never a right time to get a puppy. <laughs> Sorry. Irene's going to become the spokesperson for, like, warning uh, mothers about puppies. I will. I love them. I love them. I love playing with them, but then they go to their house and I go to mine. And that's not anymore. They're in my house. But anyways. Oh, that is so funny. But so sorry, how, you were asking about... Oh, I'm just asking about balance. So how do you balance your responsibilities with your family and your kids and now your puppy and then all of your professional responsibilities? Mm-hmm. And then you have responsibilities just probably with your church calling and that's, what would you say to us? That's the eternal question. And it's not just now in this stage that I am in my life. I was trying to find a balance as a broadcaster and a news anchor. Mm-hmm. I went back to work when my little Lola, I think she was four weeks old, it's been a constant struggle. That's what I will say. Have I achieved a balance in my life? You better believe I haven't. No. <laughs> do I try hard every day? I do try, 100%. Some nights I go to bed feeling like a million bucks. And I'm like, I did it today. I read with Diego. I spent time this. I work. I, I rocked it. And it's a great day. And some other nights, like, you know what? Tomorrow, let's try again. <laughs> let's try again. <laughs> because I was on the phone while Diego was trying to get my attention because I was dealing with a work issue. And I couldn't. I couldn't balance it. So I will say that is normal, especially for women like me, where we try to balance a work life, a professional life that is a demanding one. Mm-hmm. Plus motherhood, and I'm in those ages, Diego is 11, Lola is 7. It's, they're not baby babies anymore, but they're so they're they're, demanding. I, yeah. I keep thinking, oh, I hope they grow up fast because this stage is so hard. No, no, every stage is, every stage is, is different is yep. in its own way. <laughs> And then, yes, I do have callings. And then my parents live here now, and I care for them, and I help Mm -hmm. them as much as I can. So, yeah, many, many hats. For me, as I picture, it's like, you know, I have so many balls on the air constantly and at all times, and it's okay. Sometimes a couple drop. And then the next day, I try to make those float and then let other ones drop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's how I find my balance. And not being very, very hard on myself. There was a time where I was. And there was a lot of tears, a lot of tears and a lot of frustration. And what am I doing? And are my kids going to be normal? Because <laughs> I'm not here. Or I couldn't volunteer on their classes because mm. it was in the middle of the day. Or I couldn't volunteer to do this trip with them or whatever. A lot of bad negative thoughts will come to my mind. And I know now better that those don't come, not even from me. They don't come from a healthy positive anywhere where I want to be placed. So I do try now to move on from them and acknowledge that, yeah, today maybe I didn't find the right balance, but I have another chance tomorrow. And maybe tomorrow I don't either. And I'm like, well, I got to do better because it's two in a row. But then the days come where I do achieve that balance and I feel like a million bucks. So... I keep trying. That's well, all I can I, say. <laughs> I love that perspective because it's hard when they're all hats that you want to wear. I do. And I love all of them. Yep. And they all fit mm-hmm. good. And, and they all look they good look on me. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I love they're it. They're all good hats. Well, and they're hats that like you feel led to wear. And so I think that can be hard in a lot of ways, but then also it can be encouraging in a lot of ways too. It's yes. like, nope, these are all things that I want to be doing. I can be doing. I should be doing. And 
I love that you're like, sometimes I go to bed feeling like a million bucks. Sometimes I don't. And it's like, mm-hmm. you can just try again the next day. I That's do. helpful for me. Thank you. <laughs> Women are always balancing. And it doesn't matter if you have a full-time job, a part-time job, or if you're working at home. I did that with Diego. My situation was different. And I took a little break and I stayed home with him for a year. Hello. I mean, that was hard work. So yeah, it's like it doesn't matter if you're working or you're staying home or what your situation is. That constant search for balance applies to all women, Mm -hmm. even if they don't have kids. You know, they have other roles in the community and there's always a constant, constant, constant juggling of things because women we're amazing that's the thing that's the problem guys like we are women and we wear many many hats no matter what you're doing in your life we have those hats to make sure that we're wearing the right way I will Mm -hmm. say well and I just think you shared some really concrete advice one is to be gentle on yourself Mm -hmm. yes be kind to yourself and know that every day you just keep trying. And then to remember where those negative thoughts come from, Yes, especially when you're pursuing something that you know is something that you've been led to do. And hold on to that. Yeah, You've already shared, you have some really neat opportunities to see the church at work mm-hmm. kind of up close and personal, both with leaders and with different programs and initiatives. And we'd love for you to share what you have seen and heard and felt that could bring women of the church hope and encouragement. I think each other. I love looking at each other. I miss going to church now. And we just moved a couple of years ago to a different area. But for so many years, almost 11, I live in the same area. And the women at that were, were rock stars. And I, I looked up to them. So I think relying on each other and helping each other, especially when it comes to women, that's something that I use in my personal life. I do rely a lot on my family. My mom, she drives me crazy and I love her more <laughs> than anyone in the world. She's one of my role models. She's always been. The way she's gone through very hard things in life. And now that I am a mom, I'm like, Okay, just explain how could you even move on from something like that. So I think, you know, how can we get stronger as women? Just looking at other people and seeing how they're doing it and asking questions and, of course, relying on the Lord. I think the hardest moments of my life when I have to make the hardest decisions, professionally and personal, that's my ultimate. And I know it sounds so cliche. We all try to do that or should do that. I've tried to do that and it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. That moment where you're like on your last trot and you're on your knees and you're like, okay, I need you. So how do I do this? I talk to him in Spanish and, and mm-hmm. I love it and I feel closer to him that way. And yeah, for me, that's been another source of strength, you know, especially when it comes to hard moments or decision-making process even. Mm-hmm. Well, Irene, it's been so fun to talk to you. I could probably listen to you all day, <laughs> just all your stories and, and everything. You have such a great oh, personality. Thank you. We would love to know if there's anything else that's been on your mind, anything else you'd like to share with the women of the church. What would you say to our listeners? I think I'll share the same message that I try my little Lola to really get. Again, she's only seven and she's coming with these things that I'm like, what? You know, you're seven. Why are you worried about that already? And I keep telling her how special she is and she can do anything she wants to do and and everything. So I will say that's the same message. That again, and I'll say this again, and I know it sounds very strong, but I think women were amazing. And I'm so glad I'm a woman. And I'm so glad I have a profession and I have a family. And I'm so happy and blessed to be a member of this church. I think we have so many good things going on for us. So many challenges too. It's not all pretty. 
every day is not beautiful. Every day I don't feel like this. <laughs> Just so you know, full disclaimer. Some days I go to bed, again, going back to that point, thinking, oh, that was not such a good day. But they're not all like that. So I try to focus more on the days where I recognize how wonderful it is to be living in this time with all the challenges. And again, if you ask me this last March when I was homeschooling my kids, Carly, you know, we talked, <laughs> the world was ending for me. It was so hard to try to balance motherhood, my professional life, and then homeschooling my kids. But but see, it passed. It passed. We're now, mm-hmm, it's a different mm-hmm. time now. Things are looking better and brighter. I try to be positive and, and optimistic. Mm-hmm. And not every day I'm like that because I know that's very annoying to hang out with people that constantly <laughs> they think everything is beautiful and bright. And no, I do recognize that there's the hard parts and the dark days and, and all that. But I hold on to dear life to the good moments, to the pinch me moments, to my successes in my professional career and in my personal life. And those are the ones that keep me through the not so pretty ones. There are so many reasons to be hopeful and to be optimistic. And yes, yes, there is. It's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Irene, for taking the time to be with us today. It was wonderful to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you again. This was so much fun. Yes. And he got me out of the house. Yes. So I'm right? excited. Let's do it again next yes. week. Absolutely. <laughs> no, <but> thank you. <laughs> no, it's so great to see you and be with you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. And we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation with Irene and that you're enjoying the other episodes of this podcast. We also want to take a minute to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, our producer, um, Matthew Mangum, and the many others who support this podcast and the work that we're doing. We also want to say we've been so grateful to hear from so many listeners via email and on iTunes reviews, and we hope that that continues. Continue to share with us your thoughts and feedback. We love hearing from you. Feel free to contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org with any suggestions for topics or guests or, or leave reviews on the platforms that you listen. And we want to encourage you, if you have heard something that you feel like you want to share with friends or family members, we want you to know that our podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. In addition to being on the church's website, it's also on the Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. So tune in, subscribe, and make sure to continue sharing. Until next time, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.